and welcome to How To Be Successful with me, Vicky Paul. I'm an intuitive artist, energy healer and author and I'm on a mission to help you live with more joy, purpose and meaning. How To Be Successful is a straight-talking, heartfelt and enlightening podcast full of soul-centred wisdom, home truths, life-changing insights and free-flowing conversations with some of the most inspiring, knowledgeable and honest voices in well-being, spirituality, self-love and personal development. It's a show for people who are no longer satisfied chasing society's version of success because they're ready to embrace their gifts and thrive on their own terms. Hello, hello. How did we get to episode 14? My goodness, the time has absolutely flown by and we're now on the 1st of November. Thank you to everyone who has been listening and commenting on the podcast and the guests. It's so lovely to get your feedback, so thank you very much. And I would really appreciate if you could share, comment, because it helps the podcast filter through all the other podcasts and it helps me and my guests get seen and get found. So today's guest is such an inspiring woman. She's called Jessica Huey and she's the founder of the Purpose Academy. She's an entrepreneur and an author of Purpose and she has enjoyed such a fantastic career as a journalist and publicist and she's worked with some of the world's best known stars and business people including Samuel L. Jackson, Simon Cowell, Kelly Rowland, Meghan Markle. She's also founded and run a very influential boutique PR agency for 10 years. She was labelled one of Britain's most inspiring entrepreneurs by the Evening Standard and she's got a really inspiring story because she grew up on a council estate, was expelled from school with only four GCSEs age 15 and she became the mother of a beautiful girl at the age of 17. Now she managed to not only look after her daughter single-handedly, she put herself through university and she managed to work at the same time. In 2006, she launched Colorblind Cards, a multi-award winning, multicultural greeting card company, which drove an early conversation around the importance of ethnic representation in retail. And in 2016, she became a carer for her beloved father and had a massive transformation and evolved as a person from the very profound space that she experienced between life and death. On the 9th of November, she releases a revised edition of her book, Purpose, Find Your Truth and Embrace Your Calling. And the Sunday Times said that it's a timely call for us all to inquire within to find our true purpose in our work and in our life. And for those who know me personally and through this podcast and my own book, How to Be Successful, as well as my art, you'll know I am all about finding your purpose. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know that you will. And if you do, please make sure to comment and share with anyone you think would find it of interest. Welcome to How to Be Successful. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. And I must say, we're recording this. I'm currently sitting in a, a fairly chilly England, but Jessica upsticked a year ago and is now living in Jamaica. So I want to hear about this because this is part of um, your story. And we're going to sort of tease forward. There's a new edition of your book coming out with five new chapters. And it's going to be out on the 9th of November. But the fact that you're in Jamaica is part and parcel of this story, the purpose, the calling. 
So what I'd love to do for people who maybe not come across you on social media or who haven't read your book yet, could you just sum up your story? Now, it's a really difficult thing to ask you to sum it up in five minutes because it makes up this large story, this book, this six-hour story. But if you can just pull out some of the nuggets, because I think it's so inspiring and I want to pick some of it apart because as a listener to your story, I was very keen to try and understand whether, and I don't want to steal your thunder by telling people your story, but I was really keen to understand whether we are that level of strength of character from the get-go and that can be developed mm. or if you're not that way inclined and you don't push yourself and you don't chase your dreams, can you then become that person and an adult? So I'm going to jump ahead a wee bit, which I tend to do. So yeah, please just share your story. Okay. Uh, I love that question though. Um, okay. I'll come back to that. So I, um, let's, let's start at the very beginning. I grew up in West London in a council estate um, with my mum and dad and my two brothers. Um, dad, Jamaican, came over in the Windrush years, mum, English. And um, yeah, I, I had a, 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 a childhood which was full of love, but pretty dysfunctional. Um, parents who had their own unresolved trauma, which is often the way, you know, we don't all have this privilege um, of space and time to ponder our purpose, right? You know, it's a real gift that I think we find our generation finds, or much some of our generation, because it's not, it's not certainly not the whole, but um, yeah. And so as a result of that, I think that had a big, a big part to play in um, me becoming a mum at 17. I was very young and um you know, I found myself, it was a real source of shame, um, particularly for my father, um, who was an older parent, very kind of old school. Um, I was supposed to be the first to go to university. And, you know, my parents worked very working class, but worked very, very hard to give us access to all the opportunities that would make for an aspirational life. And so there was a lot of shame. I carried a lot of shame as a, a young mum and had a couple of, you know, incredible angels enter my life as we all do at different times who supported me and and I guess encouraged me to not allow my circumstances to define my reality because there was this real sense of oh and it was a real time where teen motherhood was a real issue in the UK and it was you know, constantly the cover of the Daily Mail it's this narrative around girls getting pregnant for council flats which you know I know to not be true <laughs> for the most part and so it was this kind of, yeah, this really this feeling that I'd messed up my life and now I was just going to be a statistic. And yeah, a couple of people said things that meant that I did go back to college and went on to university. And I guess driven by this desire to prove the world wrong um, and to find some kind of work, sense of self-worth. Um, and of course, this was all unconscious, but it, it led me to really um, overachieve and become quite addicted to that feeling of yeah acquiring or or you know goal setting which pays dividends <laughs> did you have that as a personality type when you were younger as a kid before you fell pregnant or did that was that something you developed as a result because you're in actual fact probably doing yourself a bit of a disservice you know you did all this whilst being a single parent yeah no I, I was definitely driven I was definitely driven already I think, you know, one of the, le the learnings for me as I've, I've, you know, grown older and my awareness has, has increased is, you know, ambition is no bad thing, but it's all about, you know, what's fueling it. And it's always love or fear. And, 
you know, love is like being open to possibilities and, you know, what can I create? How can I serve? How can I explore my infinite um, potential, which is very different to, you know, I, I, I when once I arrive at this point or I have that thing or I have that title, I will be enough, which of course is a never ending it is, is counterintuitive. So yeah, you know, I did have that drive and determination, which was, you know, and it was hard. It was very, very hard. You know, I worked all the hours and went on to kind of create this, this, you know, very successful, certainly by society's terms, media career, first as a journalist and as a publicist and found myself traveling around the world and interviewing superstars and on private jets and in countries I'd never heard of the I'd never heard of and it really transformed my life externally and I'm very grateful for those years but internally you know I was really dissociated from myself and disconnected from from who I was at my core and that kind of went on and I was being set and I became this accidental entrepreneur in 2007 when I started Colorblind Cards the multicultural um, card and gift line and that was really the first time that I guess I discovered the power of creating something which is um, powered by purpose. And again, it was unconscious, but it just, I've been looking for a card for my daughter who was seven at the time. And she was going through a stage of not liking her hair, beautiful Afro hair. And I went looking for a card. I was just going to write you're perfect as you are. And there was nothing in the high street at all, which was reflective of her identity. And so in that moment, I decided to create that because I knew if I was feeling you know, that this made no sense, both, you know, in terms of um, from a sort of representation standpoint, it also seemed like a real commercial oversight, given how multicultural, you know, we are in the UK. So particularly in London. So that just, you know, I'd never run a business. My parents didn't run business. I had no idea what I was doing, but just driven by this, you know, by meaning um, to create something which I knew fundamentally was so important to be able to see ourselves, you know, represented um, at a time when it really, you know, inclusion and diversity weren't on the news agenda in the way that they are today. So as a result, you know, the media picked up on it and I started to win these awards and we became the first to put, um, you know, black cards in the British high street and got distribution in the States and South Africa. And it was a ride. It was a complete, you know, adventure. Um, but I was still work. I was still a workaholic and I was juggling that. And I started my own PR company and was working with all these stars and that went on and I was struggling inside, you know, burnt out over and over relationships weren't working, never had a moment with myself. I'd work through the night. I'd put my daughter to bed and I'd be back on it. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, I guess work as a method of, or achievement as a method of escaping ourselves is, is sort of socially acceptable in a way that, you know, perhaps drugs or alcohol aren't, but actually it's the same, it's the same trauma at the, the root of it. And that went on until 2016 when my dad, who I was very, very close to, you know, that relationship went through a lot of healing after my daughter was born and um, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And that was the first time that I stopped and became present to care for him. And that period of presence when he was transitioning um, just changed my life. You know, it was, I didn't know the term spiritual awakening then, but that's exactly what occurred. And um, 
I started to write during that period. It was three days before my dad passed on. No agenda. I wasn't thinking about a book. It was literally this space between sort of life and death, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, there's a carer sitting at my dad's bedside just to give me some respite, back of an envelope. And this beautiful um, piece of writing kind of flowed through me and that evolved into, yeah, what is probably the most powerful chapter I would say in purpose. And um, nothing was the same after that. And it's, it's, you know, it's been a kind of ongoing unraveling and stripping back of who I'm not. Um, and a learning to more deeply trust my heart and this guidance system that we all have within us um, and allow that to take precedence over our head, you know, put the head to, to work in service of the heart. And that's how I find myself here, which, of course, led to the extra five chapters, which are in the new edition of Purpose. It's a really difficult thing to try and squeeze into such a short <laughs> space of time because having, you know, the book is still so fresh in my mind. There's, you know, there's so much detail that's been left out which is perfect because it means you can go and listen to it or go and read the book and, and, and hear the whole story. And it's an amazing story. It's a proper, and I don't want to call it a rags to riches story, but it's a real story of somebody who's come from really not a heck of a lot and amassed on paper and, and in the kind of material success-driven world that we find ourselves in. You really did tick all the boxes. You know, you got an MBE People on the outside are going, oh my God, that's amazing. How could you not be satisfied? How could you feel disconnected? And I know you kind of briefly touched on the fact that relationships weren't working out and you burnt out over and over again. Was your disconnect with your purpose, with your spiritual, soulful self, did that manifest itself in physical challenges? Or did you have any kind of sense of feeling or any sense of knowing that there was something not quite right or were you just plowing on pushing through the the the, the ill health etc cetera, etc cetera, until that time with the greeting card and then subsequently the time with your dad um I thought I was broken and I think that's a chapter title isn't it you know you're, you're not broken and so I embarked on this mission to kind of fix myself probably in at the start of my 30s, my late 20s, things started to really kind of fall apart internally. And yet that's when, you know, externally, I was probably most visible, perhaps. And yeah, and so I went on this mission with the same ambition and determination, which is all that very kind of masculine, I will nail this energy. Um, and just did all the things, you know, I tried therapy for a while and then I started yoga and I was meditating and Reiki and all the things. And, you know, with, with varying de degrees of, of, you know, increased peace. But it, it, I think that the real turning point was that period of presence because um, it's there, you know, it's there when, when we stop running. And I think we can very easily exchange, you know, one kind of, addictive behavior for another and that's that's yeah it's not you know my learning really in the last few years has been it's about yielding it's about surrendering it's about letting go and 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 feeling you know feeling I, I just did a TED talk which is how we can radically change the world through feeling because we just run we run and in ways that we don't even recognize um, to avoid being with the stuff that is most painful, but it's it's only in that willing that to, to be with you know what's there that that 
healing really I think is able to begin yeah I, I totally agree with you and I talk about this with my clients that and I know it from my own journey and trying to escape various pains throughout my life I, it, it was almost as if I'd switched off all my feelings mm-hmm. and I remember a friend had suggested that I read Danielle Laporte's The Desire Map mm-hmm. and in it she talks about your core desired feelings and I knew that I wanted to have a passion-filled life mm-hmm. and I knew the word passion but I actually mm-hmm. had to google the meaning of passion mm-hmm. so that I could deeply understand what passion should actually feel like in my body I'd switched myself off to that extent and and certainly in the Western world and very much in, in the UK where, you know, keep your feelings under wraps, not allowed to really express yourself. There's a sort of conformity, irrespective of race and culture and gender, et cetera, that there is a kind of conformity of how we live in this structured society. So people do find it really difficult to actually access their feelings. But it's interesting that if you genuinely allow that energy, because it's just built up energy to start to lift to the surface I always believe and I don't know what you what you think in this but you never get given more that you can handle in that moment Mm. and I think the fear of of going there emotionally is that you're going to bring back every single thing that you've ever experienced throughout all of your life and your memory changes or your recall changes of each of these experiences and you talk about this in your book about families or relationships and the problem with relationships is our inability to let go of previous resentments we store them up and when a loved one does anything resembling a previous failing we then make them pay for all of the failings Mm. and I that was just one of these you know there was moments I said this to you before we started recording this uh, podcast that I was listening to on audio and I had to stop go into my notes got to ask her about this I totally agree with you I, I do it myself hands up but I wonder how you've come to release that or begin to release that. How, how do we let go of all of that baggage? <laughs> I mean, you know, I am a work in progress, that's for sure. And it's, 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 I think the beauty of purpose is that I go back, you know, I've had to be, you know, with updating it for the new edition, I've had to go back and revisit and, and I, it's, 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 um, Sometimes it's like, yeah, I didn't even write it, <laughs> you know, to a certain degree. Um, yeah, I can. I, that's a really beautiful thing because it's like having my own sort of little teacher there. But it, it's a, it's an on. I think you know, once you have the rest, once you know, you know, don't you? And then it's and then it's the work. You know, that's been another real kind of a sort of le- lesson that's become really that's really landed for me in the last couple of years. It's like it, it has to be worked on. You know, we can know this stuff intellectually, but, you know, to really embody it, it, we have to, it's work. We have to, you know, do the work. And that isn't something we can outsource or or plaster over with a book or a teacher or a a healing session. It's we can access um, awareness, but then it has to be practiced because we're undoing, you know, decades of behaviors um, that are so ingrained and and it's to be committed to. And this is why I'm such a fan of, of journaling. Because you know, I can track and trace um, my way of being depending on depending on how consistently I've been journaling and where I have. It's like I'm much more in line with who I know myself to be at my core, which is love, right? For all of us, and having that sort of morning meeting place with myself, um, it just keeps me on track. And when I don't do it, I fall off. So it's that kind of real 
ongoing commitment to have my myself develop personally and and have my spiritual growth take precedence in my life beyond all else all else because I'm just better for everybody for myself and for for, for everybody else and for the world when that is my ultimate priority mm-hmm. I agree and it's it's interesting because for me and the people I speak to in an interview on podcasts and and you know yourself if you've started on a spiritual journey you tend to sort of pull and connect with kindred spirits and and you have conversations and they're generally speaking tends to be sort of the the same running theme of something pretty significant has happened in our lives that really is the the catalyst to taking us to the next level and to shift things from a material to a more spiritual plane do you subscribe to that or do you think that we can move into a more spiritually aligned life with the subtle signals because when you look back the signals have been sprinkled throughout all of our lives. We just didn't pay any attention oh. to it until the shit hit the yeah. fan more often than not. But is yeah. that your experience is it from either? No, your- it's a great question. I think you're right. I think I think we're blessed, you know, and it's it's hard to say that because, you know, the book has opened up this deeper level of connection with with myself, with others, with 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 the earth, right? With life itself. But if I look at the others part, you know, it's just a much more authentic level of interaction, of relationship. And people go through so much. You know, I've had people contact me who've, who've had children pass on, you know, people who are dealing with, you know, uh, t- apparently terminal, you know, illness. And those things do catalyze, you know, there is, it's almost like there is nowhere else to go but inward, if, if we will. Um, but I believe that we can choose. And I think, you know, for anyone that's sort of w- attracted to watching this, you know, I, one of my fundamental beliefs is that everything happens is, that happens is for us in our life. And I certainly when I look at the, you know, the, one of the, the hardest time in my life, you know, caring for my, for my dad, largely as the sole kind of carer that was there, you know, it, it really brought me to my knees to, to that, that period. And yet, the beauty that emerged from it, you know, the transformation, what it opened up in terms of my existence is profound. And I, that opportunity, you know, that's the, that's the life, isn't it? It's, it's all of the things, but if we can allow ourselves to, to lean in to the hardest stuff, what opens up is, is, is incredible. But to go back to your question, yeah, I think we can, choose you know and and for anyone that's sort of watching this and and doesn't have that big life moment just the fact that you're here listening is is that's the niggle isn't it there's something here that there's a calling there there's a calling toward more there's a calling back to yourself and that can be cultivated and lent into and really seen for what it is which is an opportunity to step through a new door which which because you, you know make no mistake it's not it's not always this beautiful kind of meander is it and it's <laughs> it's like a letting go of the ground beneath your feet and all all that was safe and you know I remember when I wrote purpose it was like when purpose came out initially I felt like I was out in the middle of the ocean without you know an oar or and I couldn't see land because it was like a coming out and a letting go of the kind of reputation and the profile that what I had been known for. And suddenly I was talking about surrender <laughs> as opposed to, you know, celebrities and profile raising and completely different language, which, 
you know, my journalistic brain wanted evidence for, and suddenly there's no damn evidence. You just know, right? Absolutely. So, I can that's... resonate with that entirely. It, it took me a, a while to sort of step up and, and speak out. And I was the same. And I, I think if anybody's watching or listening and is interested in writing a book, because they say there's a book in everybody, and I absolutely believe yeah. that, whether you actually do the, you know, put the commitment in to write it, but it's interesting. It was, it was, it's totally exposing because if you write authentically, and and I really resonated with what you said about, oh, I don't even remember writing that. Half the book I don't remember writing because I know that I channeled it, hmm. and then it's out there for the world to see. And and then there's this. Even though we're always on this, this journey, it's like, oh, oh my God, am I going to be judged for this? What are yeah. people going to think? So you're absolutely right. It, it's still very much a journey. The sentence in your book that just it was one of these, I, I don't know if you've ever watched um, Oprah on Super Soul Sunday and when she's interviewing someone, she goes, tweet, tweet. It's like that wee moment. But it's how we do anything is how we do everything. <laughs> Can you just expand on that? Yeah. How do I expand on that? It's 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 just that. It's like you can see the pattern. Once you start to, once the light bulb is on, you start to see your own patterns. And, and also, you know, for me, like seeing my judgments and, and, and recognizing how harshly I judged myself, just how loud the inner critic was or the critical parent, as it's sometimes called, and recognizing that that meant I must be judgmental of others which is a really difficult pill to swallow, you know, because you don't want to see yourself in that way. But it's a gift again, because just the recognition of it, um, it's never compartmentalized. It's like, if I'm, if I'm, if I behave this way to myself, there's a very strong likelihood that I'm also behaving in that way to others. And the opportunity to see that, I guess, grants us permission to do something about it, to decide, to choose, is this aligned with, you know, who I want to be for myself and for, for the world. So it's that. And I think, you know, in this new edition, a big part of it is really around, and it's cliche, it sounds cliche, but it's around choosing love over fear because everything, you know, going back to this ambition thing and, and, and whether it's healthy or not, well, it's about the energy. And, you know, I've come to a place now where it's like, well, my ultimate prayer really, or kind of ongoing pondering is how to choose love over fear. Because if I do that in everything, and we're not always going to manage it. But if if I do that in the, you know, in the minutiae, that creates the the existence. And so it's that, you know, it comes down to that in the end. I think it's that's kind of the crux of what it's all about. <laughs> Which is difficult at the moment for a lot of people because the right. world is riddled with fear. You know, we're coming out the back of the pandemic. You were just saying um, before we started recording this that there's possibility that you guys are going back into a red grading in Jamaica with everything that's going on with COVID. So this is going to be around for a while and, and that fear story is going to be there. And, and you're absolutely right. It's about tackling the fear love question in the minutiae, not in the grand right. plans, because that's just too big. That's too big at yeah. this point in time. And if you take it right back mm-hmm. to basics, to the day-to-day living of what we're going to have for breakfast what am I going to do this what am I going to do that am I having a smoothie this morning because I rate myself because I feel I've put on weight or am I having a smoothie because I love my body and it deserves all these nutrients so it's it's that pulled back to basics and loving ourselves when we fall off as well you know it's that isn't it it's not it's not holding because again we can just recreate this perfectionism and this if I don't choose love you know and then we use that as a stick to beat ourselves up with which is more of the same so yeah 
Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what, how you feel about this, but a lot of the, the spiritual chatter, I'll call it, on social media, actually, when you pick it back, it's still coming from a place of fear. It's still coming from a place of judgment. And, and for me, you're absolutely right. We chose as energetic spiritual beings to come in and have a human experience. And part of that human experience is to trip up, to knock off course, because in that knocking off course and in that tripping up, we find out something new about ourselves. And, and every single reaction and interaction that we have, all sort of concentric circles off everyone. There was another story that I loved in your book, and it was the one where you were coming back from your daughter's, I can't remember, it was a, a show she was putting on or dancing, I think it was, and you didn't have any money, you weren't well, you were in your bed, your, her dad at the time couldn't go in your place. And you get into the taxi on the way back and you had a checkbook, which if anybody's listening, back in the day, we used to have checkbooks that you'd write up on a piece of paper that said, I will pay you £10 and sign it and we exchange it. But anyway, I digress and joke. But you spoke to the taxi driver and the taxi driver's like, no, it's cash only. And he ended up putting you out the taxi. With my daughter. Yes, yeah. with your daughter. And you had a 20-minute walk to go home. And you talked about the fact that that fueled you and that really spurred you on. And that was sort of part of your purpose is obviously your daughter and your family. And that's your why. But I was really interested when you talked about that kind of story and how that fuels you forward. And I can totally see how that will, well, I'm never letting that happen again. And the drive, the ambition, the forward motion, the action kicks in. But how do you differentiate between the hardness that comes from that versus the strength I, I still I really feel I sort of I'm right back there when you you share that story it was you know there was so much there that was present there was this you know shame and for having being in that situation with my daughter who you know I, I want to look up to me and respect me and to feel safe one of the real kind of defining realizations for me was that we that I didn't have to do it all alone you know, I'd, I'd built from, from the moment that I became a mum, you know, and I was carrying my daughter at 17, no qualifications, nowhere to live, no prospects. Um, I, you know, drove ahead with this, you know, this fearful determination. And I think one of the things that occurred, which, you know, with, you know, my sort of awakening experience was the realisation an experience more than a realization. It wasn't an intellectual thing. It was, I had an experience which meant there was no doubt in my mind or in my heart that I'm supported by source, the universe, God, you know, whatever you want to call it. And that changed everything because I'd been raised as somebody with a religion, you know, Christian, went to a Christian school, Church of England school. We prayed. But, you know, the idea, you know, you pray, but, you you know, in terms of the actual out, tangible outcomes in your life, it's on you. Right. And that was so heavy to hold. That was so heavy to to hold. And this experience, which is why I talk about that time, you know, with my dad, with, with such like reverence is that was the gift of it. It was like, wow, you know, all along there's been this support that I can access, but I've been cut off from it. And so I think with that knowing that fearful determination becomes a, a love-fueled power <laughs> and that's the difference and it wasn't that then you know it's become a and it's something which becomes 
you know, deeper and deeper and, and, and more trusted, the more that we lean into it and do start to make the bigger choices, which can feel terrifying, like moving to a country, you know, on your own post-divorce and not knowing, having so many unknowns and, but you just know, because the more that you do start to wake up or you start to experience these synchronicities and every time you go, oh, that's not a coincidence, that's a sign and that's a sign. And the beauty of that is that they just, you know, perpetuates it and your relationship with the intangible and, you know, the most high is becomes more solid. And yeah, that's where I find myself now. What's been your biggest lesson, your biggest revelation, your biggest understanding, your biggest knowing, whatever you want to sort of label it? I mean, I think that last one is absolutely game changing. I mean, it just transforms existence from something which is reactive influenced by the external to something to, to a recognition that we truly co-create and that you know it just it's transformative it, it, it suddenly life appears before you like a blank canvas and you know that your any limitations are an inside job and I know you know this is sort of coaching speak but to really experience that is is just the, the most beautiful gift you know it's it's and then it's remembering it, <laughs> then it's remembering it, right? And 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 practicing and sort of cultivating it. Yeah, I, I think I think that that's that's definitely up there. It's difficult to to find one, you know, because within that is this grace, you know, the great like the grace that I recall at moments in my life when things have been hardest of all. This sense, you know, this I think I wrote about the one where you know my dissertation was due. And it's two in the morning, you know, and it's, it's, it's New Year's Eve and I'm 20 and I'm living on the 15th floor of this tower block. Not fun. I can see Grenfell Tower. And I had this, you know, Grenfell really impacted me because, you know, I knew the existence. Sometimes the lift wouldn't work. and I have to carry the pram up 15 flights of, of stairs and I'm trying to, I'm studying and I'm working all the hours to put my daughter in nursery and I have to submit this dissertation to get my journalism degree. She's not sleeping because I have no idea about a routine and I'm just sitting there crying and I'm watching the fireworks out of the window, which was the beauty of being so high up. But all of my friends are partying, right? It's the millennium. It's like, you know, which are coming into the 2000s. And I just remember this baby was, Monet was crying and I'm crying. I'm trying to type, but I know I need to go to her. And I just remember this feeling of like peace and serenity, like wash over me out of nowhere. And it, I've never forgotten it because that was so far before I really, re, you know, embarked on my spiritual journey. But but even then I was aware of this profound sense of grace and this knowing that it was all going to be okay. And that the action I was taking in that moment was a step toward my future, which I couldn't see. And yet it was going to be okay. And yeah. That must have been really hard. How do you find it as a parent and a mum knowing what you know in terms of purpose and the experiences that we have and the lessons that we come into this life to go through, do you happily stand back and allow your children to make these mistakes and, and, and fumble and find their way? Or is there a temptation to step in because you can almost see it unfolding? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's absolutely a temptation to step in. And, and you know, one of one of my challenges as a parent has been to find a balance between wanting 
you know, as you do, you know, you love your children, wanting to create a buffer and a sort of protective blanket around them so they need not ever feel abandoned. <laughs> My son is currently crawling behind me. And 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 allowing them to um to 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 navigate it themselves, you know, which is because I, I'm very aware that my biggest challenges were also, you know, the making of me. So it's a balance. Yeah. And in terms of going forward, what is next for you? You've obviously touched on the fact that you've got a new, well, the, the new edition coming out on the 9th of November, five more chapters. Have you planned ahead for what's next or are you still very much in that flow and life will happen when it happens or have you got plans in place for how you're going to develop this yeah I mean I'm much more I flow you know I I have goals um but I'm much more open to being led and guided now because I I know that that you know there's a plan for me which is greater than anything that I could plan you know put in a business plan and that my job is to stay you know allow create those spaces of presence so that I can connect with that and not fall back into you know that old desire to push so yeah it's like head over over heart um sorry heart overhead yeah and was that the reason you moved to Jamaica because that's a big move yeah no a hundred percent I mean that that was you know it felt like a a a, a real calling you know real compulsion to um, we'd not long been in, in, in lockdown. It was the end of March, 2020. And, um, I just felt, I just kind of got the clear guidance to, to leave. It was really blessed in the sense that, you know, the things that I thought would, were going to be obstacles to that becoming a ra- reality seemed to just fall away. Um, which is often, you know, is the way I think when we're in alignment with, what's right for us you know we just we get into flow and and so yeah 15 weeks later after making that decision I was on the first flight out when borders opened and I you know I've this I just feel it's a it's a sensory thing I feel more like myself here and it's the nature it's the the pace and that's that's the point right (laughs) that's the point I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode and if you'd like to connect with me then head over to my website vickypaul.com or you can find me on Instagram at vickyjpaul. Why not take advantage of a special subscriber only 10% discount off my personalised soul portraits. All you need to do is get in touch using the promo code podcast21 that's podcast21. And don't forget, you can buy my book, How to Be Successful, available anywhere that you buy books, or you can also get it via the link in the show notes. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And please continue to share this podcast with anyone you think might find it useful. I'd also really love if you could write a review because that helps myself and my guests get discovered by more kindred spirits. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.